You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. There are as many ideas about who Jesus was as there are people on earth. Fortunately for us, the Gospel of John tells us in his own words who Jesus said he was. Jesus said he was the bread of life, the light of the world, door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, and the true vine. Jesus says, I am. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18 say this, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep will not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father also knows me, and I know the Father, and lay down my life for my sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So they will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. As a parent, there's probably nothing more terrifying in life than when you're at a busy playground or a park, 
and you lose sight of your child. I remember one time one of my kids was at a playground and we had gone there to meet up with some friends and I'm talking with the other parents and it's a large playground, there's a lot of kids around and I'm trying to keep a general eye on where my child is. And when we're in the middle of a conversation, I realize I haven't seen my kid in a while. So I look up across the playground and they're nowhere to be found. And you just have that panic sink in where you're like, what happened to them? What, what kind of dangers are they in? And, and you begin looking around. And then instinctively as a parent, you begin to call out their name. And I think it's amazing that when you're at a busy place or in a, a crowded market or uh, at a playground where there's lots of kids and noise going on, a child is able to hear their name called by their parent and recognize that from all the other noises. So when I call out to my child, they, they hear their name, they hear my voice, and they know that I am looking for them. And so they respond by saying, I'm here or dad, come get me. It's amazing how even in those dangerous situations, a child can hear the voice. If the passage I read earlier from John sounds familiar, it's because we covered it last week when Ronnie talked about the fact that Jesus, in his I am statement, said, I am the door. But he also says here that he is the shepherd. So just to recap and to make sure we're on the same page, when we're hearing these passages, Jesus is actually interacting with the Pharisees, who are a religious group of leaders who were prominent and popular during Jesus's day. And he's interacting with people who may be tempted to follow them or listen to them. And he says, I am the door. So he's protecting them from thieves, from people who would want to kill and steal and destroy what God wants for them. Jesus is offering them an alternative to religious leaders who would intentionally or unintentionally kill, steal, and destroy the life that God had called people to. But there's other threats that Jesus was concerned about. And so that's what we're going to be focusing on today, the, the dangers that Jesus as a shepherd is able to protect his sheep from. The first thing we notice here is that he's worried about strangers. And I think what he has in mind when he talks about strangers are, are exploitative leaders, people who don't really know the sheep. They don't really know the people, but they want to come in and take advantage of the hard work that the shepherd has put in. The other group that Jesus wants to protect his flock from, his sheep from, are hired hands. And someone who comes in and works for the shepherd isn't necessarily a bad person, but we're told here in verses 12 and 13 that the hired hand runs at the first sign of danger and that they don't actually care for the sheep deeply like the shepherd does. And in contrast to that, Jesus says, I'm the shepherd because he lays down his life. And that's what it means to be a shepherd, that you care deeply for the sheep, that you are invested in their well-being. And I told you earlier that he's confronting the, the way of life and the religious leaders of the Pharisees. And the Pharisees get a bad rap, but a lot of religious leaders both past and present, are manipulative and selfish. And what Jesus is declaring here in John chapter 10 is that he is different, that Jesus is a different kind of leader than they may have come to expect from the religious leaders of their day and that we should expect from the religious leaders even of our day, but also that Jesus's flock is different. I want to identify two ways that Jesus' flock is different. First, they are known by God. In chapter 10, verse 3, it says, Jesus says that the shepherd calls his own sheep by name. 
it's interesting because we, we know a little bit about ancient Palestinian shepherds, and they were unique. Um, they cared deeply for their sheep, and one of the things they would often do is give their sheep names and nicknames, and they would call them by these names and familiarize themselves. And oftentimes these names were based on characteristics that the sheep had. If you had one that's a little short and a little heavy, you might call them fatty, or you know, one that has spots, you might call sprinkles or something like that. But they would come up with these nicknames that were unique to the sheep because they cared deeply about them. It's almost the way we would treat a pet in our family. We're also told in verse 3 that the shepherd leads the sheep out. See, at night, they would gather the sheep up and, and keep them in the safety of a pen. Sometimes it was a communal pen in a village. And then in the morning, he would have to lead them out from the village to the pastures where they could graze, where they could feed, where they could get the sustenance that they need as sheep. And here Jesus is pointing out that when we, people follow the shepherd, the right shepherd, the good shepherd, that they're led out, they're not huddled in fear in the safety of the pen or the village, but they're led out to an expansive place where they can have abundance and they can get the things they need. Remember, the thief wants to kill and destroy, but the shepherd wants to give abundant life. In verse 4, we're also told that the shepherd, uh, he goes before them. In Palestinian shepherds, they would do something that's different than like what we think of um, with cattle farming or even shepherding in modern cultures or in Western cultures. Palestinian shepherds would walk ahead of their sheep. They don't drive them from the rear, forcing them to go ahead, but instead they lead the way. And what we see here is that Jesus, as the shepherd, he isn't coercive. He's not manipulative. He's not forcing people to follow. Instead, he's inviting them to come along because Jesus actually cares. See, when we say that Jesus is the shepherd and therefore he knows his flock, that the flock is known by God, what we're actually saying is that Jesus knows us individually. That he cares about each one of us and every person that we encounter throughout our day, even people that we don't necessarily like or give much regard to, that God cares deeply about those people. He knows exactly who they are, what they're going through, uh, what struggles they have, what amazing things they've accomplished, what dreams they have for themselves and their future, the baggage they bring with them, and the things they have to offer. And he's inviting them out into the field to get exactly what they need. Not what they want or, or what other people want them to have, but what they actually need because they are known by God. And that's what makes Jesus' flock distinct. They are known by God. But we also see here that the sheep know the shepherd. So we know that Jesus' flock, they uh, are known by God, but they also know God. In verse 3 it says, the sheep hear the voice. I mentioned earlier that the sheep would all be gathered in the village and, and the shepherd would have to pull their sheep from amongst other sheep. And the sheep were trained to hear the call of the shepherd. I want you to think for a second if you've ever tried to lead someone who didn't want to be led. This could be a child that's really struggling to listen to authority, or maybe if you're a teacher and you've had a student who is really hard to lead, or if you're someone who in the workplace leads other people, maybe you've had that employee or that coworker that was hard to get them on board and on with the team. If you've ever tried to lead someone who didn't want to be led, it can be really difficult. 
And oftentimes this comes down to two things. One, the person thinks they can do it all on their own. They don't really need you. This can be a child who thinks, oh, I don't need my parent anymore. I don't need this teacher anymore. Or it can be someone that doesn't trust that the person leading them actually has what it takes to lead them. They don't believe in you and your ability to, to help them grow and develop or that you have their best interest in mind. But when we talk about Jesus being the good shepherd, we know that Jesus isn't the problem. The problem is that sometimes we're not in the proper position to be able to hear God's voice. So if Jesus' sheep, his flock, can hear his voice, the question we have to ask ourselves is, can we hear God's voice? Do we have what it takes to hear God's voice? There's two characteristics that come to my mind when I think about being in a position to listen to God's voice. The first is humility. And this is something that's really rare in our culture, the idea that we have ourselves and others in proper perspective. Psalm 25, verses 8 through 10 say this, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way he leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. See, humility allows us to recognize that Jesus is in charge and we're not. And that we need to be in a position where we know and recognize our dependence on Jesus, the shepherd. But it's not also just about being in the right position. It's about trusting the one who is leading us. And you may be saying to yourself, well, of course I trust Jesus. Jesus is awesome. But do you actually trust that Jesus has your welfare in mind? that he's taking you to the place where you can get exactly what you need. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 say this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path you should take. In order for us to be in a position to hear Jesus' voice, to know when he's calling us to go somewhere, to get what we need, to be in the place we need to be, it requires us to be humble and to trust Jesus. We're also told in verse 4 of John chapter 10 that the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They know his voice. Oftentimes I think we have a hard time distinguishing between Jesus' voice and other people's voices. Can you tell the difference between godly wisdom and earthly wisdom? In, in verse 5, Jesus says, A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. In Jesus' day, there were religious teachers and, and ways of life that were varied. There was four kind of dominant approaches to life. There was the Pharisees who focused on discipline and achievement and religious practice. There were the Sadducees who focused on influence and money and power. There were the Essenes. This was a group of people who kind of removed themselves from society and were living on the fringes of society. And they focused on exclusivity and purity, determining who was in and who was out. And then there were the Zealots. These were people who were political activists to the extreme. They focused on violence and politics. And the reality is that in our world today, all of these approaches to life are alive and well. And you can even find Christian groups churches and individuals who promote each of these philosophies and approaches to life and claim they're doing so in the name of Jesus. But Jesus was different. 
He was calling us to be distinct, and he wants us to be able to know the difference between other approaches to life, other calls to life in his own voice. So what was Jesus's call? What was Jesus's way of life about? Well, Jesus focused on self-sacrifice. Can you distinguish between godly wisdom and earthly wisdom, even when it comes from supposedly Christian sources? I want to be clear here. If your version of Christianity is dependent on you being good enough, living a comfortable life, being socially and politically influential, creating an us versus them scenario, or have everyone fall in line with you, then it's not the way of Jesus. If your idea of success is based on greed, manipulation, exclusivity, power, or violence, it is not the way of Jesus. The sheep know God. They can hear God's voice, and they can distinguish God's voice from other voices. It's interesting here that in John chapter 10, Jesus seems to even just drop in a little bit of a side note where he says that he has sheep that aren't even of this fold. And to the people of his day, this was completely mind-blowing. The idea that there were people who were not part of the Hebrew religion, the Israelite tradition, who would be included in what Jesus was doing was completely mind-blowing to them. And so he had something that was even bigger. Jesus' vision of God's kingdom extended far beyond the religious, nationalistic, ethnic, and social boundaries that his audience expected. Jesus was a different kind of leader, a different kind of shepherd, and he was calling people to live differently. And I know that it can be tough to, to know exactly what God is calling to you. And I know also that oftentimes God will lead you to places that you wouldn't naturally go. But the beauty of allowing Jesus to be the good shepherd is that he takes us to amazing places that aren't dependent on us and our amazingness and our ability and, and our rightness, but they are there because of what he has provided for us. I love entertaining out-of-town guests. One of my favorite things to do is to take them, not to the kind of places that you'd find on like tourist top 10 websites, but like the hidden gems of San Antonio. You know, everybody has their go-to taco spot and, and their place to get a cup of coffee and the place that has, you know, the best sweetbreads in town. And, and I loved when my friends and family visit San Antonio to be able to take them to those places. But the only reason I'm able to do that is because I know where I'm going. I've been there. A lot of times I'm a regular at that place. I've spent time scouting out all the locations, finding the place that has the best tortillas and the best cup of coffee and the best desserts. And, and I want my friends and family who are coming here and don't really know where they're going to feel like they can trust me to give them something better than maybe they even imagined for themselves, and to get the best authentic San Antonio experience. Well, if I want that for my guest visiting town, I need to acknowledge that trusting Jesus requires me to trust that he has my best interest in mind. 
And sometimes the places I would take my out-of-town guests may stretch their comfort a little, and it may not be the place they expected, but it's the place where I hope they can find the best things. And Jesus is trying to call us and offer us to have the best in life, to have an abundant life. Now, this doesn't mean we'll always have the resources we want or financial success or, you know, workplace success, and our family won't always be exactly what our family to be. In fact, oftentimes the places that Jesus calls us to are the places that are challenging and difficult and unexpected. But if we humble ourselves and trust the shepherd, we can experience the fullness of what God is calling us to.